The most delightful surprise in life is to suddenly realize there is nothing wrong with you. Todd Sylvester brings his infectious energy and joins us from Wasatch Recovery and Todd Sylvester Inspires. He's with us to talk about addictive voice recognition and belief systems, recognizing your irrational beliefs, using your thoughts to adjust your emotions, and starting with the four pillars of honesty, integrity, accountability, and helping someone else. Enjoy. Welcome to the Illuminate Recovery Podcast. We shed light on mental health issues, mental illness, and addiction recovery. Ways to cope, manage, and inspire. Beyond the self-care we will discuss, you may need the help of a licensed professional. My name is Kurt Nider. I'm a husband, father, entrepreneur, a handyman, and a student of life. I avoid conflict, I deflect with humor, and I'm fascinated by the human experience. And I'm Shelly Mangum. I am a clinical mental health counselor, and my favorite role of all times is grandma. I am a seeker of truth, and I feel like life should be approached with tremendous curiosity. I ask the dumb questions. I fill in the gaps. We are so excited and um, privileged to have Todd Sylvester with us today. Todd is um, a podcast host himself. He's also a mentor, a personal development coach, and um, an addictive voice recognition counselor. Um, one of Todd's passions is belief systems, and Todd, we're super excited to uh, get to have a conversation with you today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, I'm glad you guys are doing this. I think it's great, and I'm just glad to be a part of it, and hopefully I can share some things today that your listeners will gain some things from, and you know, we can all leave here a little edified, right? Yeah, that's the, that's the goal. I'm curious, um, how did you end up, you know, kind of give a little bit of background where you came from to get you to a place of really focusing on belief systems? So that's a great question. I mean, it really starts with when I was younger, I, I, I took my first drink of alcohol when I was 11 years old. And that led to, you know, if we jump forward, just a full-blown addiction with alcohol and cocaine were my drugs of choice. I struggled um, with just being, you know, most kids at that age struggle with their self-esteem and trying to fit in. And, and I had this belief system when I was younger that I had something wrong with me, that I looked funny. No one ever, no one's going to want to be with me. And, you know, and I would, I would put on this persona. I was a basketball player. That was my passion. And that was my love in life. Actually, I, I practiced two or three hours every day and, uh, I eventually earned a college scholarship, which was amazing, but I lost it because I'd rather, I was, I was a mess, honestly. I would rather get high. And, but, you know, looking back, I realized how behaviors dictate the way we behave. So, you know, like when I sit with a client here, I can say, well, hey, you need to quit, stop, you know, stop shooting up heroin. Well, like, duh, they know that. What's the belief that leads to that behavior? And so I try to get down to, and it typically comes down to these three that I've found over the last 31 years. I'm not good enough. Something's wrong with me. I'm different, so I can't connect. And my problems are too big to fix. So almost like giving up kind of thing. And so those beliefs dictate some very unhealthy behaviors. And whether someone's addicted or not, if they have those kind of beliefs, they're going to be doing some very unhealthy behaviors. And so I love seeing people change those beliefs and watch their life change completely. That's why I love doing what I do, is to get to see that. That's very cool. Yeah. I'm curious, do you see um, people's belief systems? I mean, because we all kind of suffer with 
some sort of negative belief system sure. about ourselves. Absolutely. Do you see it on a spectrum? Yeah, I mean, some. Yeah, there's there's a spectrum to it for sure. I mean, for me, for I'll share this because this will make sense. When I was in, I was a very skinny kid. I mean, I was so skinny, and I didn't care. I knew I was skinny, no big deal. But when I was in seventh grade, I was up in my bedroom, and I overheard my mom in the kitchen with her friends laughing on how skinny I was. They weren't being mean. They were just like, "Oh yeah, he's so skinny." But for some reason, that crushed me. And it was in that moment, I'm like, I, I told myself, I look funny. And from that point forward, I was insecure. I walked with my head down as someone was laughing in the hallway. And so it went from one extreme to the next. So, so one end of the spectrum to the next where I knew I was skinny and, you know, and I, I dreamed of having muscles and things like that. But when I heard that, it, it literally crushed me. And I just thought, yep, I look funny. No one's going to ever want to be with me. And so... And I think with my clients, too, I see that, too. Some are worse than others, depending on what they've been through. You know, some, some of the, as you guys know, some of these clients we deal with have been through some horrific things. And, you know, they're at that end of the spectrum where the, the intensity of those irrational beliefs are, are strong. Yeah. Well, and they have been through incredible stories. I, I started out my counseling at... Um, and, uh, Halfway house for women coming out of prison. Oh wow! That changed my life, right? Yeah. That changed the way I saw people and and the perspective that I have on the struggles that people really have. And I'm grateful for that because it was huge. But these are not small things, and the traumas are sometimes ginormous. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Eleven's what, what a neat uh, thing yeah. you did there. That's yeah, awesome. it was very cool. Eleven's pretty young age to start drinking. Yeah. I didn't get drunk at eleven. I want to make that clear. So my dad had a wet bar in our house. And both my parents worked full time. Me and my little brother just being kids. My dad, you know, he'd have a drink, a rum and coke before you go to bed every night. I mean, he's, to this day, I think he still does that. He's, he was never an alcoholic. He just would have a drink. Anyway, as a kid, you're curious. So we would go behind that wet bar when the parents were around and we'd take sips of that stuff. And I didn't get, like I said, I didn't get drunk or anything, but I fell in love with like the rush. I knew I was doing something wrong, but something in there, <laughs> there was a rush to it. And I started... And that just kind of opened up things to a couple years later, I started smoking pot and I fell in love with that. And I started smoking pot every day at that point at age 13 and drinking every weekend. And so, and that just led, you know, to blowing up my life eventually, you know. Wow. So. So tell me, um, I love your stories. Tell me um, what an addictive voice recognition counselor is, because I've never <laughs> heard of that and I'm curious. Yeah, the, the, there's a technique that, uh, the, uh, there's a, uh, a modality out there called rational recovery. And he teaches a technique called the addictive voice recognition technique. And basically, it's really simple. It's actually a technique that Olympic athletes use as part of their training. And what it is, is it just allows you that, that um, you know, that animal instinct, that animal voice, you know, the lizard brain or whatever, all that stuff. It's that voice that tells us, I need a drink, I want a drink, I want to get high. And so what, what it does is this technique trains you on how to separate from that voice and then tell yourself something different in the moment. So it's a, it's a simple technique. And so I've kind of refined it. I actually call it, you know, you know, you recognize, refuse, replace. So when a negative thought comes into my mind, I recognize it. Okay, let's say I have a, a thought come into my mind, I want to drink. Well, that's just because I had the thought doesn't mean that that's actually me. I call it, well, you know, 
Rational Recovery calls it the beast. I call it the bully. You know, you call it Cinderella. It doesn't matter. But what you do is you objectify it by calling it something else other than you. So I recognize it. Then I refuse it. Like, nope, that's not me. And then I replace it by adding my name. I'll say, I taught him clean and nothing's going to change my mind. That's the technique. And what's beautiful about it is you can use it in every area of your life. And it's why Olympians use it because they use that as part of their training. And what it does is it helps you change your self-image on a subconscious midbrain level. When you do that, it's permanent lasting change. And so if an athlete is fearful of doing maybe you know a triple backflip or whatever, and that's part of what they need to do in order to make the Olympics, they use this part of their training to drown out and, and separate from that ne- negative voice that tells you, you can't do this, you're going to break your neck, you'll never make it, you know, that kind of thing. And so it's, a, it's so simple that people think, it can't be that simple, but it really is. And, and anyway, and, it, and I build onto that where, you know, there's some affirmations that are involved and things like that, repetitions and things like that, so... Super powerful, and yeah. and I don't think any of us are excluded from nope. those voices in our head. That and if we don't know, if we're never taught that those are not us, that those those thoughts are <clears throat> outside of us, and they just yeah. you know they show up, and we yeah. get to choose what to do with them. Exactly. Then we feel a little bit lost and hopeless. Of what am I supposed to do with this? Yeah, and you said it perfectly, Shelley. Because people feel lost and hopeless, yeah. but you teach them this simple little tool, and and if they just start practicing it, they will notice a difference, like almost. Like within the first week, they're going to go, man, I'm feeling a big difference here. And it's beautiful. So um, so that's really where that title comes from. And, you know, but it's 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 a simple yet powerful technique. I like it. Yeah. Very cool. How, how often do you, um, how, how do you integrate that? I mean, I'm sure that everybody you work with, you integrate that with. Yeah. What are some of the other tools that you use that are really effective? You know, I... So I'm of the mindset and the belief that we're not powerless. Um, and I know in the, the recovery world, that's a big word because, you know, you have to admit you're powerless over alcohol. And I get that. I'm not saying that that's faulty. But what happens is, is a lot of clients that I see, they buy into that. that they're, I'm just this powerless, hopeless victim. And so basically, I teach these three principles right here on my wall here. I teach them that they're powerful beyond measure. They're masterful creators. And they have the dignity to choose. Because every time they choose, they create. And in that process, they're very powerful, good or bad. And so I teach them how powerful that gift of choice is. Not saying that uh, there's times when we're addicted, obviously, that we do things we normally would never do. Right? But again, when you teach them that, hey, you've got this gift. And I think we take it for granted. I really do believe choice is the ultimate power. And then I, I work them through an exercise of showing them how powerful that really is. And along with the other stuff that they're working on as well. So so these are kind of like the foundational principles that I teach. Well, and I agree. I think that so often I hear, I hear a client that'll give up. They give up the option of having choice, of being able to make a different decision than what they have. Right. And it's like, well, how, or, or the blame piece, right? That giving yeah. up, they're discharging that pain and discomfort onto someone else. Yeah. And it's like, well, what are you going to, how are you going to do anything with it if you just gave it to someone else, right? Right, exactly. So that ownership. Yeah, and even when I was in the height of my addiction, I could still make a decision to get help. Mm. I could, st- even though I was a total mess, total train wreck, I could still make the decision to go, I need help. 
and I'm going to walk into a facility or to a therapist or to a coaching session. I can, I have the power to do that. I made that decision. And so I really point this out to these guys here. And it's really fascinating. Like, you'll love this. So I was doing a group the other day. And we had a, a new guy come in. He had been detoxing. He, he's a new client. And he's in my group. This is his first time here at Wasatch, right? And he's, he's sitting in their group. And I said, hey, so so why are you here? And he goes, I can't stop doing drugs. And I said, oh, did you use today? He goes, no. I go, did you use yesterday? No. The day before? No. The day before? The day before? The day before? No, no. Well, it sounds like you already figured that out. And it was so cool. This light bulb clicks. Now, it doesn't mean he doesn't have a lot of work to do, because he did, but it, it clicked. He goes, I've never thought of it that way. I go, I get it. You've been a train wreck with your alcohol and your drugs, because that's why you're here. But think about it. You stopped. Now, you got a lot of work to do. we got a lot of things to get through. But look, look what you're doing. And I'm not kidding you. This kid took it and ran with it. He's like, and he'll tell you to this day, I think that was four years ago. He's been clean four years. He said, Todd, that was the one thing that really opened up my eyes that I have that power to do what I'm doing now, you know, among all the other things that you do here at Wasatch. So it was really cool. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I would say that we, I sat with Ryan Decker, who you work yeah. with, oh, yeah. and Ryan was telling his story, sharing his experience with addiction. <clears throat> and, and he shared with me that he was a narcissist. And I'm like, <laughs> what? How, how in the world did you end up in therapy and even getting healing and, and success from that as a narcissist? And he's like, he attributed that to Todd. Todd's like, you, you know, he said, Todd asked me the questions. He sat me down and, you know, he mm -hmm. asked some really hard questions that made sense and, yeah. and did some of the things, the very things that you do, get people to think differently about their lives. Yeah. I thank you for bringing that up. And Ryan's an amazing man. I love him. And I think what I, and I'm grateful that I'm in this position because I think, and I'm not saying I take credit. I had a lot of mentors in my life that kind of showed me the way. That's why, I, why I'm here today. And I'm just giving back to the client of what someone taught me. But I think one of the things I do really well is I, I let this client know that they're loved. There's no judgment here. We're, we're the same. Like that guy who had been clean for three days. I, I've been clean 31 years. And I would tell him, we're the same. You're clean right now. I'm clean right now. We're the exact same. Mm -hmm. I'm not better than you. I'm just maybe a little further down the road. That's it. But I'm you. You're me. We're the same. And I think when people, especially these clients who have come in and they, they're hopeless, and I think that's one of the things I help them do, that, that they feel loved, they're not judged, and that there's so much hope. And when I, when I show them these little techniques of changing their belief systems and watching it unfold, it's, it's a miracle. It's remarkable. Well, and, and it's so interesting that love, you know, and, and, you know, we talk about it, but it hasn't always been, it hasn't always been a piece of recovery. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's that hard love, right? And we're going to be yeah, really, really brutal. <laughs> and it's like, if somebody yeah. doesn't know they're loved, how in the world are they supposed to change? Yeah. Because they're always pushing against, you know, what everybody's expectations are of them. Right. I love you just the way you are and we can make changes. Yeah. Because again, when I show that to the client, like with Ryan Decker... Perfect example. He, he he let down the guard. He finally just let it down, and he goes, "Okay, I can trust Todd," and he did. We had and to this day, I mean, we still talk, and we still I still at times we have a good little therapeutic session and things like that, and it's it's awesome. But yeah, I think love is a very important part. 
Yeah. But but again, we can be tough and still love at the same time. You know? Right. We got to do both. So, we have to have good boundaries because sure. boundaries say we love ourselves too, right? Absolutely. And we're, we deserve to be safe. Yep. <clears throat> That's important. Yeah. All right. So you're also a personal development coach. Talk about what you do there and what that looks like. Yeah. So I have a, I have a private practice. Um, I've been doing that for 31 years. Um, I have my daughter. She keeps track for me. I just did. I just, I'm over 17,000 sessions in the last 31 years. It's crazy. I sit there and pinch myself and go, man, I get to do this. This is crazy. And so really, you know, titles, I don't know. I have a hard time with titles because I don't know what I am. I mean, I've called myself a mindset coach, a life coach, development coach. I don't know. I think I'm all of the above. And really, my outside clients typically don't need residential. <laughs> you know, right. there, there are people who um, are struggling with anxiety and depression, probably low self-esteem. And I have clients as young as a fifth grader, all the way up to I have a 60-year-old I'm working with right now. And I've come up with this program. And when I say I, I shouldn't say that. My... Doing all these sessions over these years, I have formulated this program. So I give credit to the clients. And it's a very simple, simplistic program. And so what I help people do, again, it's the same thing. I can, I'm can i teaching healthy belief systems and how to cultivate them. Whether it's a fifth grader or a six-year-old, whether you have a drug problem, or if it's just your struggle with anxiety or depression. It's the same thing. That's what's so beautiful. It's so universal. Mm -hmm. And so... That's really what I do. I'm doing the same thing with them. And, but, you know, a little different circumstances, but it's the same thing. And the type of clients, you have a 5 to 60-year-old. <laughs> do, you, do you work with a lot of professionals? You know, I do. Um, more so on my outside. Uh -huh. Yeah, I have, you know, professionals that come see me and um, people in high, you know, you would call high-profile positions in their lives. You know, so, but then, again, I also have people who, I'll meet with and I'll, I'll realize they need something like Wasatch Recovery. Like, yeah, I, I want to help you, but you know what? You need you need to go get regulated and get this taken care of on a much more intense scale. Mm. You know, that kind of thing. So, but yeah, it's a wide range of, of individuals and it's been fun. How long have you been here at Wasatch? Seven, going over, uh, seven and a half years, I think. And it seems to be a really valuable piece of what you do. Absolutely. Yeah, I love it here. I, I to be honest with you, I don't need to be here. I I could be full time, hundred percent in my outside practice, but I love it here. I love Mark Richards. He, I mean, I've been in this business thirty one years, and I've never seen an owner like that guy. Yeah, like how he cares for the people. He gets to know the clients here. The clients know that he cares about them. That guy scholarships people like no other. I mean. This guy opens up his checkbook and helps people who can't afford it. It's amazing. And that's the kind of person I want to work for. And just the atmosphere here at Wasatch, it's just a good vibe. We've got probably the best therapist, in my opinion, out there. And we do a really good job here. So I just, I love it. Awesome. Yeah. And I agree. I, I think the whole team here is just incredible. I've got to spend you know, the last several years integrating, you know, working with them and, yeah. and, you know, even one time got to go out on Mark's boat and, oh, and yeah. watch, you know, watch, uh, Corey and, <laughs> and Decker skiing back there. And right it was yeah. really fun. <clears throat> yeah, I bet. But, uh, but he does that kind of stuff because he does love, love the, love yeah. the people. He loves everybody. He does. And, and he, you feel that that's the cool thing. You can't fake that. Mm -mm. You know what I mean? You can't fake it. And 
the residents will tell you, oh, man, Mark, what I can't believe he's the owner. And he comes here every day, and he's talking to us. And, you know, he did family night last night. And he's just, he's that guy. Yeah. It's amazing. That's cool. You guys got a good program. I have, like, 50 questions, but I'm not very good at interrupting. So we'll just have to see if we can glance at a couple of those. All right. <laughs> One of the things, statements that you said that I think is really cool is you said the statement, one of the things I do really well, right? You didn't say that in an egotistical way. You said it in a humble way, talking about principles. I think that's a lot harder sentence to say than we give it credit for, right? right? You're yeah. 31 years into this. Yeah. Hopefully there's some things you can do really well, right? I, I would so. ima- <laughs> I would imagine that that sentence would have been a lot harder to say the day you walked in. For sure. To treatment, right? Yeah. A lot of the things that you've talked about, these individual little principles kind of compound. Right. right? Yep. Little individual successes turn into big successes. Exactly. Right? And I think that's when you talk about not having hope as a drug addict, right? When you when you were eleven, right, the skinny little kid, yeah, tasting alcohol probably wasn't that big of a deal. Right. Right. And being skinny probably wasn't that big exactly, of a deal. Exactly. Yeah. That those are growing pains. The irony of your your mom, you know, joking about you being skinny is they were probably at a point in life where skinniness was something that they valued. Right? Right. They probably wanted to be skinnier. Yeah. So to tease you about it would have never been a negative thing in their mind, which is super interesting. Yeah. But that, you know, that one kind of lash on the back and one negative thought about drinking or whatever, those Mm -hmm. those bad decisions and compound until the point where you think looking backwards, I don't have a lot of great decisions right on my scoreboard, right? right? Just a lot of negative ones. So yeah. you've got to start with some of those small wins, which is awesome. Yeah. The Each of these little things that you've talked about, right? You're powerful beyond measure. You're a masterful creator. You have the dignity to choose. All are kind of hard for somebody who doesn't have hope to really right. grasp, yeah. right? And it just comes down to that first success, yeah. right? You mentioned the one individual. How do you find that? for each individual who walks through the door. Because for each one of them, it's all going to be different, right? Yeah. They all have a different story. Yeah. How do you help them wrap their head around that? Yeah, very well said, Kurt. Yeah, and a great question. You know, everyone is a little different, that's for sure. But it's, it's. I really, I think the other thing I do really well (laughs) is that I simplify this. I think in the addiction recovery world, we've overcomplicated this thing. I'm just going to be honest. That's, and, and that's just been my experience. And I used to overcomplicate it too. And like when, let's talk about the dignity to choose. Dignity means we're worthy. We have the gift to choose. That we all have it. Every single one of us. We have the right and the gift to do it. And so when I have a client who's sitting here who's struggling, who feels hopeless, I'll say, how did you get here? Like, how did you get here just sitting on my couch today? Like, how did that even happen? And they'll go back and I go, no, seriously, walk me through this series. And I'll see, look, you chose that, you chose that, and you chose to actually show up to this appointment today. You didn't have to. See, I put my schedule out there on my on my door. And I don't go track people down. If they don't show up, they don't show up. And I said, you, you showed up. And I go, and they get that. And I go, and this isn't a lockdown facility. Did you, go, did you leave and go drink last night? And they're like, no. And I go, who did that? I did. I go, exactly. See that? You're, you're utilizing that power. 
even without you realizing it. And so to answer that question, I just try to simplify it for any client. Look what you're doing. And it is. Those are little baby progressions, right? To where they, when they start going, yeah, wow, I, I realize that. And then, you know, when they show up to group on time and they did everything good in the day, look, look, you did it all day long today. That's amazing. Whereas before you weren't doing that. So I just try to simplify it. Hopefully that answers your question. No, it's powerful. Yeah. It's powerful. The, we, we had somebody else on the podcast a week or two ago who talked about, and we got into this kind of concept of when you're sick, you go to the hospital. Yeah. When you're not sick, you don't go to the hospital. You need a different kind of a coach. You go to exactly. the gym, right. you need a nutritionist or whatever. Yeah. So it's awesome to hear that you do both sides of that. Yeah. You kind of you kind of joke that there's these different needs and it's kind of a completely different set yeah. of right. needs especially somebody who's an executive type where we're all humans, right? We all yeah. deal with kind of the same basic thoughts, but at that level, there's this expectation that they don't have those problems. Entry level or something like that, it's much easier to ask for help. Right. When I work with, as I've worked with people, clients that deal with addiction or, you know, mental health or whatever that is, I find it really fascinating that these are some of the most, some of the highest functioning people I know, especially when it's addiction. They've had to figure out how to survive. They've had to figure out how to make money in their addiction, right? They, they figure out how to survive oh, yeah. while yeah. they do their addiction and how to make the money and how to take yeah. care of things. They're really, really capable people. Yeah. And so being able to switch that for them like you talked about and go, oh, let's look at all of the things you can do. Yeah, well, again, it goes back to they're powerful beyond measure. They're using their power in the wrong direction. Yeah. Just shift that power over here. You know, and one of the other things I really point out is they've been through hell and back, right? And they're, they feel hopeless. But you know what I tell them? I said, your, your addiction, all this adversity is your wake up call to your greatness. It's the wake up call. And you're here to learn that. And once you wake up to that, you're going to change the world. And I'm with you. They're the most intuitive, the most feeling people on the planet. And, and, and they're going to change the world. Because they are powerful, but they've just been using it in the wrong direction. Just shift it in this direction and watch out world. Here they come. Right. You know, and that's where I'm sitting here today. I mean, I had a mentor help me shift my power in this direction. I haven't looked back. And I can't believe I'm sitting here talking to you two today. I mean, honestly, (laughs) this is amazing. (laughs) Well, it is incredible to see where life goes when you're following Following that dream or that course, right? It yeah. just takes us places, and I feel the same. It's like, how in the world did I get here? Because I didn't choose it so much, right? I just followed the course. Yeah, it's just amazing. It's amazing when you do good, good happens. It just does. Yeah. It's amazing to me. It's hard to hard to define, but there yeah. is so much good out there. It's it true. sure is. Okay, you talked about the belief systems and the lizard brain, right? right? Not being good enough, being different, having things that are insurmountable. That's kind of an obvious concept that would be would be valuable in the addiction recovery world. But I think there's also, on the coaching side, there's an element of that. Absolutely. Right? And, and how do you pinpoint not just the thoughts, but emotions? Because that's one of the things that I think easily sidetracks people. Is yeah. that it's just an emotion that logically we ought to be able to say, this is, my this is irrational, right? Yeah, I love it. Okay, I'm not, I'm not even going to ask you a question then. You said, this is my favorite. Yeah, so I love it. Expound. So, so, so when I'm sitting with a client, whether in the recovery or they're an outside client or whoever it is, I'll always ask, hey, how are you doing? They'll say, good. And I'll say, how come? And they, they look at me, 
uh, what do you mean? I go, no, how come? How, how come you're doing good? And sometimes they'll say, well, I'm really not doing very good. It was just what I was saying. So a lot of times I challenge them there. But I'll say, what creates the feeling of good? How, you, you say, you feel good today. They're like, yeah, I feel good. How does that happen? And it's fun to watch them just go, where are you going with this, right? And I share this principle. We think and then we feel. That I, I, When someone's doing good, I say, I guarantee you, since you've woken up, You've had good thoughts going through your mind. You're thinking good things, right? And they'll say, absolutely. They go. So it doesn't surprise me you feel good. But if you were feeling bad today, I'll be like, what, what are you thinking? What are, what are those thoughts? Well, I'm thinking that I'm hurting because I'm detoxing. Or I'm thinking that um, I screwed up this morning. I got in an argument with my friend or whatever it might be, right? Well, the reason why you feel that way is because of the way you're thinking. And I'll say this a lot. You don't have a necessarily a drug or an alcohol problem you have a thinking problem and it does it causes all kinds of emotions so if we can learn to control the way we think we can control our emotions now i'll say this too if i walk up to a depressed person and say happiness is a choice they're going to flip me off and kick me and want to punch me right but if i go up to that depressed person and say i'm going to teach you what creates those type of feelings and I'm going to give you a tool that will help you cultivate these kind of thoughts that will start creating the feelings of happiness. You'll realize it really is a choice, but there's a lot of work involved in order to get there. But I will walk the walk with you. That's when they go, thank you. I want to walk. I, I got to get out of this place I'm in. Okay, we're going to walk you through that. So Yeah, and the same, and the same that it's, it's really easy to have a good job. Right. It's really easy to have a home, right, yeah. or a family. Right. But just deciding that that's what you're going to have doesn't give it to you. Exactly. Right? You still got to go step you after step. Do that. Step. And so, so I really, again, we think and then we feel. Every time, every feeling we are feeling, it's because of our thoughts. If my, like I say this all the time, my wife gives me a hard time about it. I've been married 28 years, and I'll say, I'll say this in a large group. I, I love doing it, getting people's, you know, kind of the shock. I'll say, I've been married 28 years to my wife. And she does not make me happy. <laughs> and everyone's like, huh? And I go, she doesn't make <clears throat> me sad either. I said, that's an inside job. It's my thoughts about my wife that make me feel. So if she's having a bad day, which I'll have compassion for, but it doesn't have to ruin my day. I can keep my thoughts still good, but I'm here to help you, sweetheart. I'm here to you know, help you get there. Instead of, whereas before, when I was first married, oh, man. I, I let her control my emotions all day long and vice versa. And not that it was her fault, because it's not her fault. That was my fault. So learning to control those things, I can now learn to control the way my emotions affect the way I act and feel and all that stuff. So, Yeah, and, and happiness is kind of a misconception. It right? is. The, the quest to be happy all the time is a fool's errand. Well, right. right. Happiness is an emotion. It's fleeting. It comes and goes. It's a lie we're sold. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. So, but I do believe consistently we can wake up in a good mood. I really do. When we have the right tools in place, we're doing the right thing. We're not blowing up our lives with drugs or alcohol or criminal behavior or whatever. I really do believe we can get there. And I've seen it with, I mean, I've been doing this a long time. I've seen it with thousands of clients where they have just done these little things and they wake up consistently in a good mood, which, by the way, is the definition of success. You can have 
the house, the home, the wife, the kids, this money. If you're waking up in a bad mood, what's the point? What's the point? So something obviously is wrong if this external stuff isn't working, because it doesn't. But when you can help that client realize happiness comes from within, that joy comes from within, right? And if you can do certain things throughout your day to help you wake up in a good mood tomorrow morning, that's success. That's success. Very cool. Um, I'm curious, <clears throat> you use these, these tools to work with people, um, and, and to help them change their thinking. And I heard you say that if we can control our thinking, it changes our emotion and our emotional patterns. Mm -hmm. Do you find the same success with people that have really, really deep trauma? Yes, but it's a much longer process for sure. And that's a great, I get that question a lot. Um, because again, you know, that, that trauma experience created a bunch of belief systems that are ingrained. They're there, right? And I can give you an example of my own trauma. So when I was in seventh grade, same year that happened when I got laughed at. <laughs> um, I was babysitting my little brother. And my parents usually would stay out kind of late. It's like one in the morning and someone broke into our house while we were downstairs watching TV. They had broken in through our sliding glass door right above us. And the only way someone could get up there is that they climbed the side of the house. And they were up there rummaging through stuff. We grabbed, I grabbed the phone and my little brother, I'm, you know, he's three years younger than me. And I grabbed this phone and we go underneath my sister's bed, which is down in the basement. And we're under the bed. But I look out there and the phone cord goes from out there. And I go, if this guy comes down, um, he's going to see the cord underneath and we're toast. And I literally was so scared I peed my pants. I just peed myself. And I get on there, I call the cops, I call 911, and I'm just, you know, whispering. And the lady's like, I can't hear you. And I'm like, I'm like, there's someone in our house right now. And anyway, long story short, that was a very traumatic event. So it formed this belief system that people can break into my house and they'll do this. To this day, like, I'll just go lock my doors in the middle of the day. My kids are always like, why are you locking the door, Dad? And I don't even realize I'm doing it half the time. But it's formed this belief system that that is really hard to go away. But I've had to learn to like, okay, no, we're safe. I'm safe. The doors are locked. Everything's going to be okay. You know, but for years, it really affected me in such a negative way. I mean, I would be scared. If I heard a noise, I'm like, what was that? I would panic. But again, I'd have to learn to control those kind of thoughts. Like, hey, the house is just creaking. Deep breath. We're visual animals, so what do I do? I go up there, yep, see, it's nothing. Everything's fine, Todd, go to bed. And so that just took a lot of practice. Well, and you're still practicing, it sounds like. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, at this point, I'm good, but, you know, I do. I lock my doors during the day because of that experience in seventh grade. It's interesting how we do things. It's amazing. Like yeah, so belief systems are powerful, and uh, good or bad. And it's an interesting dynamic as we talk about the hard things in our lives and how we're going to, you know, overcome or, you know, um, grow from those hard things. But we really don't grow unless we're sitting in a hard thing. Yeah. And so being able, I love the way you do that, is you switch it to being a positive thing with yeah. them, right? You help them find the good in what they are doing and the positive parts of what they're doing towards what they want and what their goals are. Um, but without those challenges, without those struggles, we don't ever become the person that we are. Exactly. And so, I mean, I can look back and go, man, I'm so grateful for that hard stuff. And, and yeah. if I had it to do over, 
it sucked, but I think I would do it over again if I could get what I have now. Exactly, yeah. Life happens for us. It all happens for us. All the good, the bad, everything. It's happening for us. And again, that's why I say addiction is your wake-up call to your greatness. You know, and they look at me like I'm, they're like, what? I've just been blown up my life and you're done. Yeah. When you figure this out, I promise you, you will wake up to this. And when you wake up, watch out world. You're going to go do, you know, and I, I use a lot of examples there and I don't know how much time we got here, but uh, anyway, life happens for us. It truly does. It's very cool. I, um, I've been, I've been digesting over the last year and a half or so a book by Stephen R. Covey called The Eighth Habit. Are you familiar with that? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I really love, because I hear you talk about some of the things he talks about. And what I really like is he says we have three birth gifts. He calls them birth gifts. And one of them, the very first one, is that we have choice. Yep. We get to choose. Oh, yeah. And the second one is these um, natural laws or principles, which I've heard you talk about. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the, fourth, or the third one is um, our IQs. So our intelligence, our um, emotions, our physical, and mm-hmm. our spiritual IQs. Yeah. And he talks about those and, and develops a whole personal development and then into business, talks about the business development. And, and um, anyway, I just love that what you talk about really goes hand in hand with that and correlates with that. Oh, that's great. Because yeah. it's powerful. It's powerful information and, yeah. and um, knowledge to know we get to choose. Yeah. We absolutely get to choose what's the choice going to be. Yeah, exactly. And in everything I try and do, I try to base it off a of principle. Because principles are true and constant all the time in any walk of life, anywhere, everywhere, on earth, on Jupiter, in the universe. It's all the same. It's just true. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I, when I'm meeting with a client, we I always start with a principle that we can stand on. Okay, we're going to stand on that because it goes nowhere. It's, it is what it is. So let's build you up based on you standing on that principle, whether it's honesty, whether it's integrity, whether it's accountability, whether it's helping other people. You know, those are those are four things I talk a lot about as well. Um, and so we are what we repeatedly do. And so going back to simplifying this for my clients, you know, you got here you got these clients who have blown up their lives in so many different directions, right? And what I do is I bring it back. Let's just let's focus on four things: honesty, integrity, accountability, and help someone. Because I believe this: when we're honest, honesty kills bad behavior. Integrity. If you have integrity, nothing else matters. If you don't have integrity, nothing else matters. <laughs> right? And integrity is doing the right thing when no one's looking. Mm-hmm. And then accountability. If we're accountable, we take accountability for our lives. See, I used to blame my my family my alcoholism it was my family's fault right no it wasn't they didn't shove alcohol down my throat now there was dynamics that you know maybe led to that but the moment i started taking accountability no todd this is your this is on you dude this is on you my suffering stopped you can't be the victim and be accountable at the same time it's beautiful it doesn't mean we don't still have days where we struggle and suffer but accountability man it's amazing and then Help someone. Give it away. If I want to be happy, go give away happiness, and then I get it back. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing concept. And so those four things, you are what you repeatedly do. You do those four things, you'll wake up in a good mood the next day. And it's true, right? I mean, very we simple. Can, we all we do it, and it, <laughs> it pans out. It just does. It just does, right? It just does. And that's what 
That's what I do with the clients here or any of my clients. I just simplify it, you know. And some of these, you know, more intellectual people struggle with that. It's like, Todd, it's got to be more difficult than this. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's this is it. If you're doing those four things, you will wake up in a good mood and you'll be doing the right thing. What else do you need to do? What else do we need to do? Nothing. Yeah. There's nothing else. Everything else is tied to that. It just ties to it. So when you get the client to start doing this, I'm telling you, they'll come in here and go, they're like blown away. I mean, I've had car clients do cartwheels out of here. They're so damn happy. They're like, Todd, thanks for simplifying this for me. You know? And I'm like, isn't it so great that it's that simple? You know? So. Well, it has to be because otherwise, I mean, we, we've got so much coming at us every day. Yeah. But if it's not simple... It's hard to wrap our heads around yeah. it. It's like, I can't do that. It feels hopeless. Well, especially someone who's detoxing and they're mm. cloudy still and they're oh, not yeah. seeing straight. Well, you know, the last thing they want me to do is show a video on how, you know, this affects your brain. They already know this. They know it better than I do. Yeah. Let's just slow it down and let's just simplify it. Just start here. And they just do it over and over because we are what we repeatedly do, right? Therefore, excellence isn't an act. It's a habit. Yep. So let's create the habit of excellence. You do those four things, you're doing it. And you so, got it, and then you show them how they are. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Well, Todd, this has been super fun to talk with you. I could yeah. talk with you for hours and hours, <laughs> and I know we don't have it, but uh, thank you. But we'll definitely have to catch up um, later. Let's do it. If yeah. um, if you had one thing, and I'm sure you have more than one, but one thing that you would share with with our listeners, what would it be? It's on my wall. The most delightful surprise in life is to suddenly recognize there's nothing wrong with you. I love it. Yes, our behaviors may be wrong, but ultimately we scrape away those behaviors. We look at your core. There's nothing wrong with you. Mm -hmm. And people struggle with that because we tell ourselves a different story. So your listeners, there's nothing wrong with you. Despite your struggles, despite what you're going through. I know that might sound like almost like pie in the sky stuff. No, I'm dead serious. And when I walk a client through this, man, it's life changing. It is life changing. And so I, I would that's what I would say to him is there's nothing wrong with you. It's oh, a delightful right. surprise. <laughs> you're enough. I mean, you're just absolutely enough you exactly just, the way you are. You just are. And we people that oh, I've heard that before. Well, it's because you don't believe it. That's why you keep fighting it. That's why you think <laughs> it's stupid or that's why you think it's weird or what. It's because you fight it. It really comes down to that. So. Well, I think one of your recent guests on your podcast, Jeff Olson, I think he yeah, said it wow. really well when he was talking about his near-death experience. And and did he say it was Christ that came and wrapped his arms around him? And mm-hmm. he just, he felt like he was going to be in trouble, right? That he yeah. was, he, you know, his, this, this accident to his family, and yeah, I won't share the whole story. It was all his fault, and he yeah. was a screw-up, right? And his, all he felt was love. Yeah, just love. If we can send that message to people, then there's a ton of healing, yeah. right? Yeah, mm. so much. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Well, I have a feeling that some of our um, listeners are going to want to get a hold of you as well. What's the best way for them to do that? <laughs> no, thank you. Um, you know, you can look me up on social media. It's uh, My handle is TS Inspires. And then, you know, you can go to my website, which is ToddSylvesterInspires.com, and you can shoot me an email from there. And, you, you know, you can... You know, reach out to you too, and you guys can get, you know, send them my way, whatever, whatever you want to do there. But you can reach me there. You can direct message me on social media. That's a really quick and easy way too. So, sweet. Yep. Well, thanks, thanks for your for, time. Thanks for inspiring us today. Oh, thanks for having me. And I, I love what you guys are doing. So, thanks for letting me be a part of it. I appreciate it.